Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey. And Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menino. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. It is Monday, June 29th, 2020. Welcome to a mischievous episode of this show. So mischievous. I am your host, Maria Menunos. Woo! 
This music is everything. It makes me so happy. Our quote of the day, we come to love not by finding a perfect person, but by learning to see an imperfect person perfectly. Sam Keen, to love and be loved. Why do I want an imperfect person? Yeah, I want a perfect person. I don't want I don't want some scum and then I find them to be perfect because they're imperfect. Do you guys know oh. any perfect people? Yes. Hello. Yeah. I mean, besides us. you, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone on screen right now. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Everybody here. We're the ones. We're like so perfect. So perfect. Ryan's voice. It's perfect. Guys, you don't perfect. know how perfect. <laughs> um, funny enough, we have uh, <laughs> acclaimed author, researcher, television personality dr pepper schwartz is going to be on you might know her as uh the expert on married at first sight um jeff i thought she was a doctor she's a doctor did i i hope i wrote that no you didn't i just had to add it in there and i was like well now i'm very nervous she certainly does she received her phd in psychology from yale so she's definitely a doctor okay so maybe just say dr pepper schwartz Yes, I should definitely have that in there. So anyway, Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Oh, she's over here. She's written over here. Uh, Dr. Pepper Schwartz is going to be on. We're going to talk about relationships. And funny enough, I don't know. You know when things are funny in a moment, but then the moment goes? I don't know if this is as funny now, but I was crying laughing before we started the show because Ryan is training in the booth. We've been having a few different people train because Steven is actually going to go on vacation. Yes. Yep. I'm not a perfect person. You are not. <laughs> but he's got a perfect paddle on. And he is leaving, scaping, uh, leaving um, for some place. Topsail uh, Island, North Carolina. Going to North Carolina. Hey. I believe we may never see him again. <laughs> yeah. I am very clumsy, so I might fall off a pier or something. <laughs> I want to fall off a pier, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steven might uh, may never come back if uh, who knows we'll see but he is leaving and so we've had various people learning how to try to do his job because he's as perfect at it as you can get it's probably. true why thank you you're welcome it's the only compliment I'll ever pay you um, and so <laughs> <laughs> that's thank just you. me trying to be funny write it down Steve um, I'm gonna save this clip but before. Um, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna roll the song for Ryan. So yeah. Can... So before the show, <laughs> he starts playing this like, kind of like I don't know, silky, silky love music. Silky. And all of a sudden, Ryan, anything Ryan said just sounded so sexual and weird. <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening? He's like, he can handle it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what's Newton. happening? We were talking about Cam Newton becoming the new quarterback for the New England Patriots, and he's like. He's Say it. Great, Say the shit you were he saying. He has great ball handling. <laughs> <laughs> Very unsettling. hand it off pretty well. He can hand it off pretty well. He's a runner. Fast. Your voice is like Quick. perfect for a, a genre. <laughs> a genre. <laughs> what, what type of genre? This is awkward. It's just like, it's just... All of a sudden, you just started talking, and I'm crying over here because I can't even say anything because it's just inappropriate, but (laughs) hilarious. But everything you were saying sounded inappropriate. I'm a little offended over here. I'm going to hold it together. I'm just kidding. HR, get HR. He's got a great tight end. (laughs) Goes to him every day. I can't. Oh, man. Did you know you had this, this skill, Ryan? I, I've always had a deep voice. My, oh, yeah. my my voice like went down an octave 
between seventh and eighth grade, and I was like forcing it to be higher because I was a little embarrassed by it, actually. But uh, not anymore. Not, not anymore. I wish my voice were deeper. That, not on Better Together. No, no, yeah. Jeff's voice sounded so much higher when you started talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's every time I call anyone, they say, "How can I help you, ma'am?" <laughs> no, so, no. Yeah, every single time. People think you're a woman all the time. On the phone. Stop yeah. it. I think it's partly my energy too. I think like I come across with a very like, "Hey, it's Jeff Graham. How can I help you?" You know, like oh. it's. Excuse a little female. The best is Ryan's doing his thing over here. Yeah. Steven's attempting and failing miserably, right? <laughs> Steven's porn star voice not working. And then Jeff starts talking. I'm like, whoa. Now we know the genre. I never heard Jeff's voice in such oh, a she said way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now we know the genre. Yeah. It was uh, it was really funny. Anyway, thank you for making me laugh. It's... um. It is a commodity in these days, I feel like. My pleasure. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, my God. I was crying. I was, like, snorting. Saliva is, like, pouring out of my mouth as I'm, like, trying to control everything. It was friggin' hilarious. Anyhow, um, thank you guys for joining us. If you haven't joined us over at Patreon, please do. Click the link in the summary. There's a lot more stuff that we can do over there without all the YouTube rules and more we're doing some good stuff over there that I think you can um, really benefit from in terms of your personal development. Speaking of uh, personal development, I got to um, be a part of Tony Robbins comeback challenge this weekend, and it was really, really cool. Um, I've been a student of his for almost a decade now, I feel like. I think it was eight or nine years, and it was really cool to get to be um, – a featured speaker and share the things that I've learned with him. <clears throat> One of the things that I remembered was from frustration comes breakthrough. It's a big one guys, right? Right now. Absolutely. So, so right now I think the world is very frustrated. So that's when you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. The good thing, I know it sucks, but there will be breakthrough. And so we just have to hang on to that, um, even though... I want to move to the North Pole and With just Kev. find Santa and his elves and just make toys. What is the comeback challenge? Like, what is what is? Jeff, that? take it from here. All I right. need some water. So um, Maria was plugged into an event that Tony's been doing. He's been featuring guest speakers. It's all virtual. Maria, I believe you were on with AJ Gupta, who, of course, we mm -hmm. featured on the show. Yep. Um, and it's a chance, similar to UPW, to empower his audience to take advantage of this moment this challenging moment to really come back. 
How did I do, Maria? Was that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, pretty cool. And of course, um, I feel like you've become a top go-to in Tony's Rolodex, Maria, which is pretty cool. So it makes a ton of sense he asked you. And what did you kind of speak on? I'd be curious to hear what you, your, the insight you brought to his audience. Well, I was part of his um, money day. So if you go to any of Tony's seminars, he breaks them up into days. Like he has a health day and um, and such. And so he had a money day and he knew I had interviewed him when his book Money Master the Game came out. And I read all 660-something pages of it. And before that, you know, money was kind of like, okay, I knew that I needed to save money. So I was a saver. I knew that investing was smart. And so, but all I knew about with investing is, you know, you go get one of those people that invest your money and you invest in mutual funds, right? I remember my parents, mutual funds, mutual funds, right? So my level of sophistication was not high, um, but I knew that, you know, that was important. So when I read the book, what's great about the book is I'd already gone to UPW seminars with Tony, so I already could hear his voice as he was talking to me in the book. And he's a teacher, so he's like Kevin. They, 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 they do it in real simple ways, so it's understandable. So the book is super consumable, super simple, and it takes these big things that seem like brain surgery to the regular person like me and makes it accessible and easy. And so I learned a ton. Like when you go buy a car and you don't realize the interest rates and what that's going to mean in the long run. You're just thinking about the payment, right? You're like, how much can I afford per month? We don't realize that the interest that you're paying on the car is going to make you pay triple the car by the time it's over with. Right. Rather than it going for up. something that's a zero APR, you go for, oh, three percent or four percent. You don't care. You're just like, how can I handle the monthly payment? So in the book, you learn a lot of things. And this is what I talked about. A lot of things that you can optimize and make better choices on. Right. We've talked about it on the show with AJ Gupta here. If you own a house, instead of paying the mortgage once a month at the top of the month, split it up into two payments throughout the month. So you pay, if, it's, if your mortgage is $1,000, pay $500 the first of the month, and then two weeks later, pay another 500 That will shave off seven years off of your mortgage. So if you have a 30-year mortgage, you will pay your mortgage off in 23 years. And so- Did I see that on a gas pump? I feel like I saw that on a gas pump this not week. Not yet. I think this week. Or is, is it, it this week it's coming up? I'll double check. We'll, okay, we'll get we'll to see. GSTV in a minute. Okay. Um, Anyhow, so there are little things like that, and and the, the the biggest theme is, you know, working for money. You're only going to be able to work so many hours in a day. You need to figure out how to make money off of your money, right? So another thing that you can do that I did was I switched to interest only mortgage because I knew I had the discipline to take that extra money that I would have been paying on my mortgage per month and actually invest that money. So you could be making money off your money immediately. <clears throat> so there are things like that, decisions and choices, and I spoke to those and all the things that I learned, but also what I learned at Unleash the Power Within and his seminars, because whether it was life is happening for me, not to me, there were all these tools that I put in my tool belt that helped me handle the upcoming crises that I was about to go through in life. I thought it was just the repeating patterns that I had in my life, which were obviously there for a reason, right? So if you have the same shit happening to you constantly, you're like, why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep picking the wrong guy? Or why do I keep dealing with a shitty work environment? Whatever it is, 
there's a repeat pattern there because you need to unlock it and you need to do certain work behind those scenes to fix it and figure it out to go to the next level, right? Like I look at life as like leveling up once you, it's like a video game, master this level, you're going to go to the next level and you can't go to the next level until you mastered this one. Mm. So, um, life is happening for me. Not to me. It was a huge tool in my tool chest because I was able to take incoming hits and say, okay, how is this happening for me? Not to me. Right. Like in, in, <laughs> in the last two weeks <laughs> incoming hits, I'm like, okay, <sighs> tighten up the stomach. Life is happening for me. Not to me. Well, guess what? <clears throat> it really was. And as painful as these moments can be, as distraught as you can be, as hopeless as you can be, if you really apply that tool, it's a tool, um, you can get out of really dark moments. Um, focus equals feeling, right? Whatever we focus on, we're going to feel. That's why I try to shift. And shifting was another thing that I learned. I'm always trying to shift out of the negative. And so, you know, whatever I have to do, whether it's visualizing butterflies, I usually, I don't know why a butterfly is the first thing I go to in my visualization techniques. I'm like, okay, a butterfly. And then I'll think of like a puppy's face. And then I'll think of my dogs. And then I'll think of flowers that smell really good, whatever it is to shift out of the negative because focus equals feeling. Um, motion equals emotion. You got to go move your body to change the chemistry and get yourself into a better state. So, <clears throat> or frustration from frustration comes breakthrough, right? So all of these things, like when I think of on the personal development side, on the financial side, um, once you start applying these things that can really transform your life at any age, at any financial, you know, position, um, there are always ways that you can be better and do better. And when you know better, you get better. And so that's what I kind of spoke about. I love it. I dig it. What do you think, Ryan? I think it sounds great. Oh my God. <laughs> you can't, you can't do the voice without yeah, no. the music. Put the music on. Makes sense Ask to the me. question, Jeff. Uh, Ryan, well, wait. wait, hold on. Cue the music up, Stephen. Are we set? Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Uh, Ryan, I'm curious. What are your thoughts on Maria's participation in the Tony Robbins Comeback Challenge? Uh, sounds like as direct of a deposit you're going to get. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> sounds great. Okay. <clears throat> oh, yikes. I love it. I'm so oh, forclined. Okay. So um, that was that. It was really cool. And um, I was really honored to be a part of it. And it's so cool because Tony sees me. And, um, and gets me. And like, I think in this world, it's the greatest gift you can give somebody is to see somebody. Um, I love that. So that was really cool. Um, we do have to get to our good news movement. Good news Monday. Good news Monday, guys. Of course. Um, so excited. Finally, Jeff. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Finally, it's Monday. We're actually doing this. It only so took me a month. We're doing it. So good news movement is, uh, an amazing Instagram account. If you don't follow it, you should. Um, again, we need good news in our lives. And so I follow good news movement for that. I follow the Dodo for that between the two of those. They make me so happy. I follow Maria Menounos for that. Oh, what a kiss ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was channeling Jeff for a second. But there. Thank you. But thank you. Um, so good news movement. Um, there's a beautiful, beautiful um, post today they put up that we are sharing as well. Of um, you it's go 100, for it. 104 <laughs> years old is the grandma who's featured in this video, and it just shows you the wonder that can still exist in any 
part of your life. First of all, I want to live to be 104. Ew, why? Because I just think I want to be <laughs> on this earth and planet as long as I can. Really? That's oh how God. I am. I, I want to go young. I want to go to space. <clears throat> I want to get off this planet. No, I want to go to space for sure. Can I have gone yesterday for many reasons? But I never have wanted to be old. You know, it's, it's not actually... because of the physical part, because of the health part, right? Uh, like, like deteriorating. Yeah. Like who wants to who wants to be in pain and suffering and all of that? Not that it has to be that way, because if we are following everything we're learning here at Better Together, we won't be. But I always it's like, hey, before shit hits the fan, like, let's call it a day. I mean, Maria, you have <clears throat> genes of Costas and Litsa. I think you're going to be fine well into your 150s. No, maybe. You're probably going to be building stuff when you're 150. I mean, my dad's 76, and he's a beast. Uh, and our guest today, Dr. Yeah. Pepper Schwartz, is proudly 75. So it, she's proof that age is just a number. Mm-hmm. But either way, this is a video of her daughter and granddaughter giving her a pillow with her late husband, like, emblemized on the pillow. And just the wonder and movement and that surprise. she feels and the surprise has got me teary this morning. So let's take a look. sweet i love it um, so for our podcast listeners it's worth <laughs> checking out either maria's ig or us on youtube to see yeah. the priceless face of this um beautiful older soul um but uh, thanks to michelle figueroa and the good news movement for that yeah um also i don't think we got to talk about our partnership with gstv last week because it we mentioned it thursday did we mention it on um, thursday but we should mention it again i mean officially we are airing the uh mortgage tip this week so oh, good okay yeah. cool good so, timing so, and next time you're at the pump, if you see me, tweet us, social at us, whichever form of social media you use, um, social at us, and we will uh, respond. But um, I'm getting so many texts from people everywhere, Chicago, Connecticut, wherever. And they're like, I, I was pumping my gas and all of a sudden I heard you and got startled. <laughs> my, you're my, everywhere. My mom said she finally met you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. It's so wild. Like, it's so cool to know that we are building this show on our own. And like, all right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Now we're going to get seen by 8 million people at the gas pumps every single day. Um, and so we are better together, guys. And, and so I think what we need to also mention, Maria, is that those that video is not going to be the same every week. We're actively making new videos yep. every week for, for the gas pumps. So yep. you guys can consistently be getting new cool tips every yep. single week. We're going to be shooting some new ones this Friday, in fact. Yeah. You know I'm filled with tips, guys. So we're going to be giving, to, giving them to you at the pump. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that made me really happy today. So, okay. So the Dodo good news movement, let's add TikTok, right? Always. So my old boss at Access Hollywood, Rob Silverstein, I reached out to him. I was just like sitting outside and he was like last weekend, maybe. And I said to him, do you remember in 2008 when I was in your office and I'm pretty sure Billy Bush was in there too. And I was like, they were trying to convince me to get on Twitter. And I was like, hell no. This is the devil. Social media is going to be the end of the world. I was terrified of it, right? I have a really strong gut and really strong instinct, guys. And I see stuff way before other people see somehow. I'm starting to collect the data and the evidence for this. Um, For example, when Hurricane Katrina hit, I don't know why, but I remember in our old house, I remember being like, we got to get out of here right now. And I just had this feeling that we needed to go. And at that time, the market was really high. We were able to sell our house for a really good profit and then buy this. And then soon after the market crashed. And so there are certain things that like, whatever, I just get these instincts, these feelings. And so I was terrified of social media. And, uh, and I texted him, I go, do you remember this? And he's like, no, (laughs) but then we started talking. And, um, and so although I'm terrified of social media and I think obviously there are good things to it, but there are some not so good things to it. Uh, TikTok still remains uber pure to me, like uber pure. So it makes me so happy. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I ruin it for you? No. What? Why do you have to ruin everything? Uh, I'll shut up. Yeah, I don't want to know. You don't want to know? Nope. Okay. I don't. Brandy, why do you loathe TikTok? Jeez. So what I love about TikTok, first of all, I haven't been able to TikTok for a minute or look at it. I've been so busy, but I looked at it this morning and it's just so much fun to see people on there being just hilarious. And I will say this, there's this trend about like people who are older than like I don't know, Gen Z, having to explain that they're old and they shouldn't be on there, but they are, so piss off and just deal with it. (laughs) Excuse me, hiccup. Um, But I think the older people are the funnier people on there. I love it. It's like a fun... That's what I love about TikTok. I feel like it's actually a generation bridge in a way. (laughs) The steamer wants you to ruin TikTok for me. Steve, really? (laughs) Um, But I think... Yeah, like I saw this like older woman doing this whole dance routine and just like spontaneously and adorably. I don't know. I just think it's really fun. It makes me happy. I love seeing people's like 
Have you seen the flip the switch ones where like they do the little dance in the bathroom light? They flip the switch and they switched clothes. Yeah, I saw those in yeah. April, Steven. Those it was are... great. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Um, the ones where it's like hilarious are when the old people do it with like their grandkids or something, yeah. and it's like the really trendy hip hop clothes, and the old people are wearing those. It's so cute. I love old people on TikTok. I think it's uh, I think it's really fun. I don't know. It makes me happy. Who here's on TikTok? Me. I'm am, but I'm not super active. I want to get more. Jeff, active. you gotta get more active. I, I feel haven't like you done would... anything in months. Well, I'm, we're hoping, and it's in it's we're on the books together. at some point when things calm down a little bit to do some stuff with Hannah Stocking, who we've had on the show, and mm-hmm. we're in touch with some people at TikTok. So and we need to do it now. Yes. Not I, when things die down. What things are going to die down, Jeff? TikTok has a very specific, for this next week, a very specific focus on the content they're pushing, but they're excited about the Hannah Maria collab. So I'm in touch with them, and um, it's going to happen. Two Greek girls. Jeff knows TikTok? <sighs> I know a guy. I know a guy over at TikTok. <laughs> Bombard him with, at Jeffrey Crane Graham. <laughs> we'll do. Can I tell you something that's interesting, by the way? So, you know with the world being unemployed at this point because of coronavirus, um, my friend was telling me how his friends are making $8,000 a month grubhubbing. Wow. What? Yeah. They've got to be inflating that, right? Have to be. They have to be lying, but they're not. I mean, they're like adamant that they, and they work whenever they want. Like my dad was joking last night. I'm going to go back to work, Maria. I'm going to work. And I was like, okay, cool, dad. And uh, and then I thought about it. I'm like, well, you could Grubhub. I'm like, eight grand a month. We could we could sure use that, Dad, around here. Yeah. And um, and yeah, you just go pick up food and deliver it. But like, that doesn't make any sense to me. How? I mean, there's like more people ordering food than ever before right now. Maybe that's why. Do you know when I postmated recently, someone had to come from like 40 minutes away to do it. Wow. So yeah. Your house here? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I never have to wait more than like five minutes. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So um, uh, I, I wonder, probably because there's so many people doing that, it's it's elevated to that level. I bet post office workers are pissed. <laughs> yeah. But I, I say it like, A, because I thought it was kind of unbelievable. But secondly, because if you need work and you never thought about it like that, hey, go make a fortune grub hubbing. Yeah. I mean, anything... To simulate the economy right now is valuable. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm actually glad and heartened to see that people are able to make money right now. It's important. Yeah. By the way, uh, so Governor Newsom here in California sh- reopened bars like five seconds ago and now just shut them off again. Yeah. yeah. I think how, how, how long were bars open in California? Do we know? 30 like minutes. Two, two minutes? I thought it was like two weeks, wasn't it? I the idea of opening bars at all is horrifying to me personally. Maybe it's just because I live in LA, but that's the last place I can't see a bar being sustainable right now. I mean, I is anyone I'm surprised they're closed? Now, here's what I'm wondering now. First of all, nobody wants to be cooped up. I think people would rather die now. Like it's getting to that place mentally where I think it's really affecting everybody. Yeah. So maybe we. I don't. I don't know. Don't don't kill me, people. But. Maybe we should just open everything up and the vulnerable stay home and everybody gets it and then it's over with, right? I see the value of that. I mean, like I the know. herd immunity component. I think I think the experts would say that that's like a reckless, but I, I feel you, Maria. I don't know. I'm Listen, I'm not coming from an educated place when I say this. It's just a thought that's coming to my head because I just think that this is mentally 
like taxing so many people. It's just there's just too much. 2020 has been. I think they're trying to technically do that. If I was to guess, like they're trying to keep it within levels because bars are kind of like a hotbed for everyone at the bar getting COVID. Right. But other places, if they slow open, like few people get it here and there. But, like, I feel like bars, you go to a bar right now, you're, like, 70% chance you're probably going to get COVID. Yeah. And bars get packed full of, like, 80 to 100 people every night. Plus, they're all bar hopping to other bars. Yeah. I feel like that's just such a point of mass infection that maybe it's like, okay, we are going to just let things open, but bars are kind of, like, the thing that maybe is a little too much right now. Yeah, but only the people who don't care will go. If you don't care about getting it, you would go, right? Like, I'm not going to go. Right. Yeah. But again, like then they bring it home to their families and we know California, nobody actually has their own place. They all live with other people and they all live at home. So even if you don't care about going your roommate, like look at one of our, our coworkers, like her roommate doesn't take it seriously and she's afraid to even be at her apartment. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. But you're not going to control her anyway. You're just going to have to move out or figure out something else. You know what I'm saying? Like, then, you know, if you live in an apartment building, you'll have to not touch the handles when you go up the stairwell or whatever. You're going to have to be careful. I just I just don't know if we can control people anymore. Yeah. Too far gone. Yeah, I think so. And also, um, it's, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud right now. I'm not going to yeah. go anywhere. I don't know if I'm ever going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts, Ryan? I mean, I think there is something to be said. <laughs> about the herd immunity i think i think that's it we're too far gone like we blew it and now it's everywhere and uh i think it's it's kind of up in the air how we go from here it's just those who are vulnerable the uh elderly the more obese uh have to be a lot more careful than us and it's just really unfortunate it's a really unfortunate scenario i'm not going anywhere even though i'm dying to see a movie oh my god can i say I think that's my biggest miss right now. Thank you. Is every time I'm sad, right? I'm like, oh, let's just, oh, oh, we can't go see a movie. Like every time I'm sad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I, that's my great escape is like you can just go see a movie, hoard popcorn down your throat <laughs> and just release and just let go. And we don't have that. That's why I think movies are going to be OK in the end. Definitely. I don't think we can live without them. It's, it's an experience. Listen, I have my own screening room. It does. It's not the same. Street right. food cinema is the thing that they usually film at the Hollywood graveyard or cemetery. 
and they moved to doing it in cars now. So if you do need to get that movie itch, you can uh, do street food cinema once a month, and they let you pull up in like a drive-through style. This this weekend, the Rose Bowl has been converted to a drive-in theater. No way, really. So they are playing Creed <gasps> there on uh, this Sunday, July fifth. Cool. Do you have to buy tickets? You do have to buy tickets. We should buy tickets. We should all buy tickets. I won't we be here. Buy tickets. <laughs> we should buy tickets. We should buy Rocky. tickets. Rocky. We should buy tickets. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you can't talk without your music. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Uh, Ryan never, ever, ever will be on this show without um, without music. Uh, music. Bars. In the meantime, I can't wait for some females. We have um, some feminine energy coming at you soon. Um, I miss my Steph Sabra, um, although she's very far away now in uh, San Diego. We should have her. We should have her zoom in at some point. Yeah, but. Um, we're gonna get some of the 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 team after buzzers on. I I love you guys. We need we need some estrogen. I need some female energy around yes. here. Agreed. In the meantime, um, let's chat with Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Um, as I said, she's an author, researcher, TV personality. Of course, you guys probably know her from Married at First Sight. She's devoted her life to furthering the fields of intimacy and sexuality. She's received her PhD in sociology at Yale University. She's written over 25 books on the subjects of love, sexuality, and commitment. Right now, she's going to help us unpack how to maintain good relationships, especially as we leave lockdown, stay in lockdown, lockdown confusion. I don't know. Um, Dr. Schwartz, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Um I was hoping that we would be talking about maintaining good relationships as we leave lockdown, but it sounds like we're kind of back in lockdown. I don't think we ever really left lockdown. Some people did, but uh, it is a very confusing time uh, for everyone. And I wonder, what have you noticed in this quarantine time in terms of relationships and, and, you know, the good and the bad? Well, I think it sort of depends where you were. It's just sort of more so. If you were a difficult relationship, this has put too much pressure on you. If you were a creative relationship that knew how to give each other space, keep each other interested, you're glad to have each other. Uh, So I think uh, it is not affecting everyone the same way. Some people have emotional resources, others not so much. Yeah. Um, You talk a lot about um, quality time with your partner. I feel like we've gotten a lot of quality time with our partners. And for some people, that's not a good thing. My husband and I have been scotch taped to each other for 21 years anyway. So this has been no different for us, but for other people, you know, is it good that they have this much time? Is it something that inevitably they would have seen down the road um, that, you know, if they're having problems now that they would have happened inevitably, or is this something that just exacerbates it and you should get through it? Oh, I, I don't think you can underestimate how strange this is because remember, <clears throat> even if you've been scotch taped to somebody, you had friends, you had family, you had children or adult children, um, you had other things to do. You had things that created space because, you know, it's a full life. Um, in this case, all of those things have been taken away from people. No friends, no family. Um, 
and and an overwhelming sense of dread and pressure. I mean, all of this is very unusual. So I think, yeah, if you've gone through the depression together, you know, if you'd gone through World War II together, I mean, there's other exogenous things that really um, affect people, but this is extremely unusual. And I think it'd be important for people not to forget that because they think, well, maybe these were all cracks in the in the house we built together anyhow, but no, I don't think so. Those things happen in intensity like this very rarely. So I think people have to give each other a break and get through it. Um, on the other hand, I think it's really important to create space when you have none, you know, which is to say, okay, I'm going to go read now, or, you know, I'm going to take a walk by myself, you know, or I'm going to train the dog and I'm going to do it over there. But whatever it is, um, we weren't meant to be tied together. Um, we have, we evolved as a species that had to do a lot of things in a day just to get food, <laughs> you know, just to avoid enemies. Uh, so we're, we're cloistered in a very uh, unusual way. And I think people need to know that um, they need to use their resources to give each other back some privacy, but this isn't like they would have had this down the road. Yeah. I think I need to unscotch my tape sometimes too. I think everybody does. Yeah. I think when it's funny, when my husband goes away, I do find so much joy in just being alone and like getting on my couch and reading a book and, you know, but I won't do that naturally, you know, when he's here, it's, it's odd. I don't know why. Well, I think um, there's this pressure to be a couple and be coupled and not to need to take time away. But I think that's, that's something that's from a different generation. Um, the idea that the woman is just always there to service her guy's needs. What can I do for you lately? You know, if you like me to be co-present, I'm going to be co-present. But that's something that we can unpack now because we're not the same as our mothers and grandmothers were. We have other, we have a different psychological inner life for that matter. I don't think our uh, grandparents felt entitled to have that. Um, I don't think, I think a lot of men felt that if they had an inner life, it was weak, you know, to think about, you know, doubting themselves or is this who I should be or what I'm doing, et cetera. So I think what we, the, the new kind of mantra for psychologists is differentiation, that you have to be your own person as well as part of a couple. And being one's own couple means carving out the time, excuse me, being one's own person means carving out the time to be that person, to have, uh, to see movies that your partner doesn't like, or to get a hobby that's yours and yours alone, or to have a journal in which you express yourself that that person has no right to see. Um, we are our own person and we're stronger together if we're stronger individually. Ooh, I like that. Stronger together for stronger individually. I like that. Um, you talk about assuming that romantic relationships are supposed to meet all of our needs. And you talk about how dangerous that line of thinking is. Can you explain that more? Oh my goodness. Just think of that. Just, just put that on the, that mantle on your shoulders. I have to do everything my partner needs in all categories at all times. It's just suffocating. I mean, we can't do that. And we also, if we expect, for example, our partner, unless your partner's a psychologist or a therapist or whatever, they're probably not skilled in telling you the things you need to hear all the time or being your best confidant. If your best confidant is your girlfriend, if you're a woman, or if you're a guy, you know, you, you like having parallel games with a, with a male friend, you don't really want to unload your spirit all the time. That's okay. You don't uh, have to have 
you know, your partner, your, your sexual and romantic partner specialize also in being your best friend who understands you better than anyone else in the world. Chances are it's not your husband or spouse or significant other. It's probably either your mother or your sister or, you know, your best friend. And if you look at your husband and say, he's not doing his share because he's not as good as they are, that's just a recipe for disaster. We can't be everything at an Olympic level. We can do the core things that make us happy to be together. And then we have to offload and delegate other things and say, it's okay. I don't need to get them from you. Because if you do ask that, we will all be found wanting in some way. Whoa. Okay, hold on. I want to unpack this a little bit because Go ahead. The, the, the line you always hear is, you know, your husband or your partner or whatever should be your best friend. And then that has a weight that's carried with it, right? So if it's your best friend, then they should be listening to you and should have, you know, helpful advice for you and all of that. So where does that line get drawn? And then if you are leaning so much on your partner to be your best friend, does that affect your intimacy? Yeah, because you're going to be disappointed if they have to be your best friend at the same level that your best friend is. I mean, there are some relationships that are like that. Most men, Many men think their wife is their best friend. Way fewer women think their husband is their best friend because women have, have developed, you know, real skills by having close girlfriends all their life. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I see even in play as little kids where they understand, you know, how to say about their fears, their deepest thoughts. Um, their other friend is keeping a running tab on how they're doing. Uh, men often believe, in, you know, like, just be there for me. You know, it feels good to have you around, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to talk about their deepest fears, their confessions, their childhood. It's a rare man who does that. And usually they're gay. And that's why women love gay men, because they are, in fact, soulmates in some ways that, that straight men really rarely develop until maybe 50, 60 years old. Um, they do, they do change. But the fact is, if you say, um, I want a man, let's say, as we're talking as women here, who has my back, you can have that. That's a really important thing. Your best friend might not always be there to have your back, but your partner, that's there, that's delegated to them, you know, which is, if I'm sick, if I'm worried, if I'm in trouble, um, we need to survive in this world, if we're planning a, a future, having your back is there. But your, your best friend is not delegated for that. They've got their own world they have to solve as well. So it's almost like saying, what are the essential things I need in somebody? And then give them a little grace and latitude in the things that are not as important. 
And some of them might be, maybe your partner is the warmest, sweetest, most understanding, uh, psychologically complex person in the world. But maybe they're not so good at some other male role that you might have expected them to have. Nobody does it all at Olympic class. And the important thing is to find out where you can get what you need and not overload one system. What I would say, my analogy of that is if I have a table that is a pedestal and only has one leg, and if that pedestal leg goes, the whole table is no longer a table. But if I have a table with seven or eight legs um, and one or two is shaky, it's okay. So the seven or eight legs might be in this analogy, my work, my children, my, my uh, religious community, my hobbies, um, my, um, uh, my volunteer work. I mean, those might all be really important legs on the table. If you have them all, then you don't put so much stress on just one leg to support the whole deal. Wow. Do you guys have any follow-ups on that one? I think it's really valuable. I, I think it's um, heartening to hear a relationship expert acknowledge that relationships can't be our everything. I think so often we think relationship experts, their job is to tell us that this is the only thing that'll make us happy. This is our sole source of satisfaction. So it's very, um, it's very enlightening and kind of refreshing, Dr. Schwartz, to hear you say that's not the case. Well, I'm glad you think so, because I think it's really essential, particularly in today's world. We started to ask more and more of our spouse, you know, that they should be our best friend, mm -hmm. that they should be psychologically sensitive, um, that they should be really great at creating romance, et cetera, when we have less and less time for any of this to happen. At the same time, we're asking more of our spouse. We have technology invading our life, making it better in so many ways. But, you know, we're supposed to be on the ready every single second on our cell phone. I mean, if somebody doesn't get me, you know, for a couple hours on my cell phone, they think I'm dead. Yep. You know, I mean, it's kind of like that. I mean, it used to be that faxes were, well, now it's instantaneously. We have, because um, even in this uh, um, sequestration, even in quarantine, the technology reaches in and also helps us reach out. But we find ourselves increasingly learning about Zoom, learning about these things, and suddenly we're really busy. We have a lot of requests if you have little time if you have little kids, oh my goodness, um, because now you're taking them to 42 different kinds of sports, et cetera, when it used to be maybe baseball in the summer and something else in the winter. Um, and I don't think we realize how complex our lives have gotten compared to previous generations. So, um, you know, the, the, th the thought is you build up everything else and you ask more from this relationship. It's too much. Yeah, it really is actually. It's really interesting. I've never heard anybody say that. That's why I'm really like taking a second to digest it because I feel like, you know, in this, in this world, you're hearing, you're my everything <laughs> repeatedly. You're my best friend. And there is, like I said, there's a weight to those words. Um, and, and I think it sets an example for people for something to strive for, right? Like, you know, my husband does happen to be somebody who is, very, um, connected to his feminine side and very, he listens and he's right there with you trying to solve issues like, you know, um, and, and I am the same with him, but you know, that's not always the case. Right. And it does burden us for sure, because, you know, you have to listen to everything. That's a lot. 
well, and sometimes you have to say, well, you know, not today, you know, not right now. And it's not about you. It's about me. It's about what I need, what kind of space I need, what kind of contemplation time I need. I mean, I think what's really important is to create an embrace in a relationship of I'm here for you. I do have your back. Um, I love you. And now we can make it any other way we like. Mm-hmm. All you have to know is that. And then the sense is, is um, I mean, I, I have an unusual relationship with my husband. And that is that um, although we've been together 15 years, we've both been married before. And like a lot of people who got married later in life, we had, you know, whole commitments in terms of where we lived, the communities, et cetera, right? So instead of battling it out because he likes being on the water and I like being in the mountains, we uh, don't live together. <laughs> no. What? And we go back and forth to each other's house. You know, um, he was just here for four days. I'm going to go over there tonight, I think. Um, and I think we both really like it. Um, it's not the way I was in my other marriage. I had a marriage of 22 years. Um, but this is right for this time of life. And the wow. idea being, why can't you innovate? Why can't you figure it out? for you. It's nobody else's marriage, but yours. Yes. The question is, are you happy in it? Do you both living the life you want? Do you communicate about if there's any changes in what you're getting or not? Um, and are there some losses in any choice? Yes. Are there some gains in most choices? You hope so. Wait, I have to ask, how far away do you live from each other? About an hour. Wow. Okay. So so there are no rules. And that's no. another thing is we, I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves with so many rules of what it's supposed to be like that, again, it's refreshing to hear um, to hear that you made it work for both of you to be happy as individuals, like you said, so that you can be happy together. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the trick of it. And that's the, the creativity of it. And it's also true over a life cycle because what might've been just perfect. We couldn't do it this way. If we were raising little children together, Yeah, it just wouldn't work. You know, I mean, there are exterior boundaries that are real and true in life. And, you know, you have to accept that and work with it. But when those boundaries change or when your life changes over time, the question is, who are we now? What do we want now? How do we get creative and, and still be true to each of us as well as to this union that we've pledged to support and love for our life. Um, It's a very, um, I think, profound thing to get married, to to make a commitment to someone, however you phrase it. And that means that you're making a commitment to that individual as well as to the collective good. And all of that has to be in the mix, is each individual having the happiest life they can while, you know, being committed to the inevitable compromises that, you know, creating a whole requires, but that doesn't mean that you can't be creative and do it your own way. I think where people get in trouble is they get some fixed idea in their head and they feel like it's unquestionable, but everything is worth reviewing and thinking out and seeing if that's the place you want to be at this point in your life, even though it was perfectly good at some other time. Wow. What, um, Dr. Schwartz, what are you, obviously you've studied love and it's been your life's work. When you look at the younger generation, what do you see good and bad? um, And and how would, 
how would you advise them to navigate in this world? Obviously, with social media and, um, you know, millennialness. <laughs> well, I see a lot of good. Um, and I see um, some things that I think people will have to work with over their lifetime. The good is I, I find a lot of the very young people, I have kids that are in their 30s, um, as I uh, very, very much concerned with the care of the planet, much more, um, much more environmentalist, I think, than my generation was growing up. I mean, I don't think we ever thought about where anything came from. Uh, but now these kids do. They, they have social conscience. Um, I'm very uh, excited about a lot of the social movements where people are trying to think of how are people treated in the world and what's my responsibility in that. On the other hand, this has been an unlucky generation in the sense that they've had two really difficult economic situations. First, 2008 to 2011, you know, there were no jobs. Everybody was taking these free internships just to get their foot in the door of maybe a job at some point. So a lot of people did a lot of sort of more service type jobs and temporary things. And I think they learned a lot about the wage economy there. And I think that gave them a sensibility and a fear too. I mean, it's not all good about, you know, how vulnerable economically they are. And bam, now some years later, uh, they've hit the COVID-19 retraction of the economy. So I feel for these young people, you know, I grew up in a situation we didn't have to worry about that. It was an expanding economy. Um, that is not what people have had since really the early 80s on. So I, I you know, have empathy for them. Um, do I think there's some problems? Yes. I think they have come way too dependent on technology. I mean, there's a, a kind of phone um, and um, music and on, on, the, on the technology um, kind of, addiction is all I can say where, you know, I see everybody, I, I travel a lot or used to, <laughs> I assume I will again after all this. Um, and I see no one talking, everybody wrapped in these little uh, devices, uh, not reaching out to each other. And an, an a sense of anomie and loneliness, I think actually comes over people because, you know, not being in a community, I think is a cost. Um, I do see some movements sometimes now that we can work at home or out of the big cities. Um, sometimes into smaller communities. But I, I feel that we still haven't figured out how to use, particularly the young people, um, how to use technology in a way that doesn't isolate them rather than connect them. What about in terms of online dating? I think online dating is a great advance. It gets you out of your network. I mean, it used to be, you know, it was who you knew, who lived next to you, who somebody you knew knew, or the bars. And I think the, the technology of um, online dating is a, ra a major advantage. Now, if you um, get, get ready, get into just swiping left or right, you know, I think that makes you feel like everything's fungible. It's a bad place to get to. But what I've seen is most people sort of graduate out of that. They're tired of lots of bodies. They just want one body. And then they start being much more serious about it. Interesting. Um... I feel like, you know, I have to ask a question. I have a friend who's going through um, another breakup with the same person. And how do you advise someone who's bro breaking up with somebody that they feel is their soulmate? 
they feel is the one and they keep trying to hang in and they keep trying to make it work. Um, and repeatedly this person breaks their heart. How would you advise that person <laughs> in that situation? Because it's like, how do you drink? How do you advise someone who's an alcoholic? You know, when they go to the next, they're going to open a bottle of wine and you say, um, you know, you, you, I love you. You drink too much. Let's not open that bottle. I can handle it or whatever, whatever, you know, it's just, they're addicted. Um, and love is addicting. Um, and I think people, um, this is the most, I wish this wasn't the most common story I've ever heard. But mm-hmm. it really is. There's that person gives them just enough, just enough to hope for better Then somebody pulls away because they're trying to save themselves. And then somehow there was something that they were both getting out of it, that one person opens the door a little bit and the other person rushes in and they have a great moment together. And then the same cycle goes on. And unfortunately it kind of goes on until something so crashes and burns that they have to realize that there's absolutely no hope. So as a good friend, you have to say, we have seen this cycle before. It's not going to be better. You are who you are. He is, or she is who she is. Um, And they're going to say, you're right and go back and do exactly what they're going to do. So as a good friend, I guess you can only say, here's what I think. Here's why I think it. And I'm here for you when this ends again. And I've, I, I have been that person, you know, I mean, I think I've been in when I was younger on one side of it. Now I'm on the person who sees it and others and tries to get them out of it and extract them from something that's really hurting them. And all you can do is be a good friend. I've certainly lost friends for a time because you tell somebody things they really don't want to hear what they'll do if they're not going to change is they'll avoid you Mm -hmm. because you're the bad news. It's telling them what they don't want to hear. Right. They come back after the 14th burn or whatever it is and say, you were right, you know, but um, it's, it's a tough one because I think there's a love addiction every bit as powerful as, heroin and other horrible drugs it's you know you're you you're in a a circle a cycle of uh endocrine attachment where you're you're getting the when you get the reinforcement you're flooded with with the androgens and you're it's just a high high and then there's the low low people get into that yeah is there any way if you are finding your love addicted to to snap yourself out of it is the only way meeting somebody new it helps a lot yeah. <laughs> but of course you're so addicted you don't either put the energy into seeing somebody new or you always find why they're not as good as you know the person you've loved um it's it's therapy is a good one it does help at least it gives you somebody that you know uh that you can't pass off as some other agenda right um, to go and find out just why you are so into this person. What is it? Are you trying to to solve some father deprivation? I mean, this sounds so raw, but often it is. It's that the you let's say you had a rejecting, powerful, successful father who never really was there for you, and that is often the background where somebody likes the conquer conquering the unconquerable because that way they're also doing that in a sense of repairing the father-daughter thing, which of course they can't do, but they they don't understand that the same emotional mechanism is going on with this person 
who's not giving to you and you're still trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I say to people, you know, if it's a Pomeranian, you cannot make it into a Doberman and vice versa, you know, um, but people will try. Now, sometimes 25 years later, people change. Age does have an impact on people. What do you want those 25 years to look like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, those are real. They say, well, we had tough times. We came back together. How long did it take to do that? What was it that you missed and suffered during that period? My feeling to people is you deserve to be happy. If this is not making you happy most of the time, if it's only making you happy occasionally in moments of, you know, sort of wonderful feeling, look at the ratio of happiness to unhappiness and look at the future. I just heard the story of this woman who, you know, sort of hung on with this married man for a zillion years. And when she finally said goodbye, he said, okay, and found someone else to play with. You know, people imagine they're this great romance. Well, that's love addiction. Sometimes it is a great romance, but mostly it's it's great because it's a romance and not a relationship. Yeah. And that's such incredible advice, again, is to look at the ratio of happiness to, mm-hmm. you know, unhappiness or just lack of happiness, right? You don't have to be sad or upset, but, you know, you can also be in limbo, um, you know, really taking stock of, um, are you really having the level of happiness you want every day with this person? Um, and are they hurting you more than they're making you happy? I mean, there's so many things in there that you can do. I, I love that. Steven, I know you have a question for Dr. Schwartz. Go for it. I'm curious what your thoughts on, uh, like commitment issues and the fear of finding something better are. Cause like, especially in Los Angeles, I feel that a lot of people have this concept of, relationships don't work because you're surrounded by options at all times and how to get out of the mindset that I don't want to settle with this because there's something better that could be on the horizon. How do, do you have any advice for people to get over that mindset and maybe just realize the good thing they have? Or do you think that mindset's kind of an indicator that you're not ready for something? I think it's the latter. Um, I think, I think it's a form of narcissism. I mean, you have know, something like, well, what makes you so special, right? You know, I'm aiming for something better. Yeah. Well, what's, what's, why would somebody better want you? <laughs> and they, they have to think that they're, you know, so great that, of course, everybody would want them. And if they're feeling that way, if that's the way somebody looks at themselves, then you don't want that person because they've obviously got a tip sense of their own importance and market value. Um, a lot of times these, you know, masters of the universe or these really, you know, beautiful women who have lots of choices, um, they get to a point where their choices winnow out because if they're going on, you know, certain kinds of values, let's say good looking, being really good looking, um, that may, that probably for most people doesn't stay at the same level of attractiveness, but also even if they're a captain of the universe, she's very successful, he's very successful that sometimes doesn't go forever. The question is, you know, what is it that makes somebody a worthy partner? And if it's those two things about how extraordinarily successful they are in the marketplace or how gorgeous they are, um, then if that's what that's what's keeping you in, 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 in keep looking, then no, you're not 
ready to to settle down with somebody and create something special there. Um, and you should just broadcast that and tell people. The problem is that a lot of these people who are narcissists will do anything they can to make you love them. And then you do. <laughs> um, but then once they've done that, they're, you know, still looking and um, or still open. I think I think you I think you really um, need to ask yourself if you if you can't pick well enough <laughs> to find somebody who satisfies, you know, what you think you can build together for a future, um, then, you know, look to yourself as opposed to what else is out there about, you know, is, do you pick badly? Do you pick on the wrong um, elements? You know, I sometimes tell people when they're out dating, because dating can be a lot of fun. I mean, you experience a lot of different worlds that way, et cetera. Um, if you're really having a lot of fun at it, well, then fine. <laughs> Just don't telegraph that that's not what you're doing, you know. And I also tell people when they're dating, if someone says they're really not into being committed or settling down, believe them <laughs> as opposed to see, oh, well, they just haven't met the right person. No, yep. believe them. So, <laughs> they're telling you. Yeah. I'm always surprised why people think that they can change people. Like if someone's honest with you up front, believe them, like you said. Um, Dr. Schwartz, before I let you go, um, we have to talk about married at first sight. Oh, sure. Tell me, um, tell me what your experience has been with it. It's for us, like we were fans of the show and I think, um, it's always great to get to see the success that you guys have with couples. Um, what has this experience been like for you? Oh, it's been amazing. I've learned so much. I mean, really, because one of the things we have in Married at First Sight that nobody has as a researcher or clinician is we get information on them pretty much 24 7 every day of the week um and while you know we don't fill them after they turn off the lights in bed we're not that kind of show um we they do talk to us um we get a printout of everything they did that day um so we know what their days are like we can go in there and help them out um under pressure people relieve a lot of relive or exhibit a lot of things that they wouldn't you know just in the office um we're not getting one spot conversations with people so it's been illuminating to me um i'm actually thinking now about writing a book about what i've learned but um some of it's bad i've learned how well people lie Ooh. Uh, i wish i didn't know that but um and i mean how well because you know, we always think we're going to pick up lies. Well, there's people who lie badly, but there are also people who lie so well that you really have to discover quite a bit to know that something's true or not. And in particular, if they lie to themselves, so that you know, you know, they're they're not aware of it, but they mm -hmm. are. So that one's hard. I've I've always so been shocked watching it. What people will say to each other that so many people just have no boundaries of the kind of you know. Um, for lack of a better phrase, uh, aiming at the groin um, kind of conversations that are very hard to come back from. As I tell people, look at all of us can remember certain conversations from our childhood, much less last week, that really hurt us. They don't go away. Words matter. Please, you know, if you're angry, step out of the room, you know, or figure out what you can say that is not something that the person will never forget, you know, things like that. 
On the other hand, I found that people, once they develop trust, um, they could love a wide variety of people. What they would need is to find someone with those essential elements that they've been looking for. And there's quite a few people out there. And if they get one of those, um, they're going to be happy. They're going to, they're going to trust. They're going to build a foundation. They're going to feel loved. You know, if, if there's ever anything that has taught me that there's only not, there's not only the one, but they're the ones of a certain type. Um, I think, you know, I've learned that through this, this experiment. I believe that too. I think that that's a whole other show at some point I'd love to explore a little bit more on is, um, you know, the fact that they're, that, yeah, it's elements kind of coming together and saying, this is what I want to build a relationship on, right? Here are the foundational elements that I want. And this person has them, you know, so many people are just stuck on a soulmate. Again, there's so many fairy tales, I feel like, around relationships. <laughs> there are. Well, and, you know, and we come by the honesty. Look at all the Disney films about the prince and the princess. Oh my gosh, we still dressing little girls as princesses, etc. And, um, you know, we all love romance and we're just fed a lot of it. Um, and it can't help but sink in. So we we sort of get this sense that, you know, there's a certain kind of thing that will happen that's magical and, and that will be the person. And some people, they find someone in that magical way and, and it works out. And that person who's an outlier <laughs> becomes the model, you know, yeah. of what should be possible for all of us. When what I've seen, particularly through Married at First Sight, is people do grow in love. They grow as humans and they grow in love. And the more they are with a person who has the, the right elements of goodness, um, then that thing can flower and become just, just extraordinarily elaborated because they put the time and the trust and the foundational elements of themselves into it. So I, I don't think people should settle, but I don't think they should, because settling, you know you're with the wrong person. You know, that I don't think is a good idea. But if you're with the mostly right person, you can grow that into a really great relationship. I love it. Dr. Schwartz, so many amazing bits of advice throughout this um, chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to us today. And um, I feel like... Uh, I feel like that was incredibly helpful. If anybody wants more information on Dr. Schwartz, I know Jeff Graham has it because I don't. Yeah, and I want to make sure, Dr. Schwartz, we're plugging two books from you. Of course, you've written 25, but Snap Strategies for Couples is really valuable right now because it offers a ton of practical takeaways for couples. And then your other book, The Normal Bar, I think those would be the most valuable too right now. But she has 23 other books, so if you don't want those, <laughs> you can check them out on Amazon. And of course, yeah, uh, have to read them all. <laughs> yeah, and Dr. Schwartz, your website is www.pepperschwartz.com. So we'll put that um, link in the summary so you guys can just click easily on there. Dr. Schwartz, thanks so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. I think it was fun talking to you. All right. Have a great one. All right. Wow. Lots of good tips, guys. She is, I mean, 75 years of experience will do wow. that. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, she got her PhD in 75 and has managed, I find it very inspiring because she's managed to stay so relevant and on top of topical issues for five decades. It's crazy. Yeah. It's she's amazing. the Madonna of like <laughs> love and psychology and maybe the share. Do we right? dare the say share. the share? Yeah. The share. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 
And Maria, I'm guilty. I'm holding your outro right yes, here. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We did a, a paper swap but at the top what, of the Jeff? show. You did a better job than I ever would have. Oh, that's very nice. So there Small. you go. You know, Jeff, you ha- we got to love your perfection from your imperfections, right? <laughs> what was the quote? <laughs> I, yeah, whatever it said at the top, I think for You're listeners. You're perfectly imperfect. A peek behind the curtain. I think maybe 50% of the time this sheet makes it into Maria's hands. <laughs> it's the one thing as a producer I can't seem to figure out is how to get this sheet to Maria. But. It is exciting. It says that tomorrow we have uh, <laughs> WWE superstar and friend of the show, Sonya Deville, on. Oh, no way! For the last day of Pride Month, which will be really exciting. Oh, so. I'm so excited. It's going to be really fun. Yay! And we get to talk about Pride finally. Yes! Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, Brian, any and last words? For the final day of Pride tomorrow, <laughs> tune in 10 a.m. <laughs> 11, 11, a. 11 a.m. Oh, 11 a.m. You're fired. 10 a.m. on Thursday. We'll give you a list of places you can go use that voice at. Um, <laughs> in the Shoot. meantime, follow us at Maria Menunos, at Jeff Crane Graham, at Stephen Lemieux Photo. Ryan, where can people find you? At Ryan Nilsen, R Y N I L S E N. Yes. And here's my music. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> We're bouncing for the podcast listeners. Maria's bouncing out of her frame. I'm happy. <laughs> um, in the meantime, balls. <laughs> be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.